0: I reckon waiting for the bill in a restaurant at the end of the meal is such a pain. I know, but have you seen Mr. Yum Split and Pay? I used it the other day at a restaurant, I just scanned the bill and straight away was able to easily split it with friends, pay and leave. It was super fast and super easy. It really sounds amazing. That's right, Mr. Yum Split and Pay makes it so simple for diners to pay their bill, to split it between a group, and even pay for individual items. Restaurants love it as they get to know their customers better than ever, making it simple to send targeted offers and get their guests coming back again and again. It really is a game changer for venues that love full service but want to streamline payments. Mr. Yum's split and pay is the better way to pay and it's free until July 2023. Visit MrYum.com. Welcome to another Principle of Hospitality podcast. I'm your host, Sean DeVries. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode. Principal of Hospitality has been developed to tell the stories of professionals within inside the dynamic world of hospitality. We're straight talking, ethically minded, and a reliable online source of information and inspiration for people in the hospitality industry. Now on to today's episode. At only 28 years old, our next guest, Philip Cooch, founder and CEO of Goldilux, has built one of Australia's most fun and successful bakery businesses, pioneering the future of baked goods and gift industries. He's a keen and passionate entrepreneur, harboring innovative and forward-thinking marketing strategies for business growth. Philip hopes to inspire younger Asian kids of immigrant and refugee backgrounds to know their worth and follow their intuitions into business. So I feel really fortunate to speak with Philip today. Hey Philip, how are you? Hello, Sean.
1: Good to meet you and good to chat
0: here. Oh absolutely fantastic to be here at uh, at worksmith and uh, and having a conversation today now, as I was saying before the podcast and even a couple of weeks ago when we spoke like the fact that we're both from a bakery background is a really exciting thing so I love, I love <laughs> to talk to people from bakeries It always always takes me back a bit mate so I think today like've got like you've got a really inspirational story. I know a lot of people are going to learn a lot from you today so let's talk about how you sort of started out in the business and what the initial driver for the business actually was?
1: Well, this, you mentioned I was 28. I'm turning 29 in a few months, so. Wow. Yeah, (laughs) feeling old now, but (laughs) when I first started, I was about 21 turning 22. So my parents, they were refugees from Cambodia and they literally came to Australia with just a couple hundred bucks in their pocket. And so, yeah, for them coming to Australia was going to be a big step in their life. They, they knew that coming to Australia was, was going to change their life. So yeah, growing up, I always remembered them just talking about starting their own business because, you know, they saw a lot of people who were in similar situation as them coming to Australia to start their own business and but was able to change their lives. So growing up, I remember them like looking at fish and chip shops, bakeries, laundromats, like literally anything that was like didn't require too much of a skill. Mm. Um, so yeah, in, especially in the converting in. Um, community a lot of them end up starting bakeries Mm. so they were always really leading towards starting a bakery so i found a bakery in 2015 in croydon south in victoria and so the opportunity came up they just loved the idea so much and the initial initial plan was that my my dad was going to bake my mom was gonna work at the front and i'll just help out on the weekends when you know when i'm not at uni Mm -hmm. so that was the plan we're going to go ahead with it and then literally at the last last hour uh, my dad just couldn't stand up anymore because he had really bad arthritis. So, yeah, because he did lots of labor, hard labor work, like when he came to Australia. He did like a bestos removal, wow. he did a lot of trade work. So it just really took a toll on, toll on him. So, yeah, he couldn't literally couldn't stand up anymore. So just seeing, knowing how much they wanted to start it, I was like, you know, I'll just take a year off uni and help them get it up and running. Um, And I was a bit naive at the time, you know, when you're 21, 22, you kind of be like, yeah, I can do anything. (laughs) Like my idea of starting a business was like, okay, I'm going to be the boss. So I'm just going to sit on my laptop and just count how much money I made today. And then everyone else does all the hard work. (laughs) That was my idea of starting a business. (laughs) I thought the same. (laughs) Look, I was so wrong. Like, I think the first year was incredibly the hardest time in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, Every every time I talk about it, I do get a bit like teary eyed a bit, even just talking about now it was a really bad idea because I didn't know how to bake at all. Like you, you mentioned at you all, were, at all. Like we oh had wow. no baking experience. And wow. the bad thing is that my parents also didn't have baking. <laughs> experience. So highly would not recommend doing that. If you don't know how to bake. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So I think the idea was that, you know, um, cause a lot of Cambodian people start bakeries and they just teach each other. Mm. And um, the previous owners that we, we bought them, bought the bakery from were Cambodian as well. So they felt pretty comfortable Buying the business, knowing that they will teach them as much as they can. So, yeah, like I didn't know how to bake, and the first year was horrible because we lost lots of customers. Everyone was like, you know, everything tastes different, everything tastes crap. Mm. So, a lot of the regulars who have been going there for like 15 years just stopped coming.
0: Wow. Yeah.
1: So, it was really scary for the first year. I had to teach myself. Oh, actually, I had had a baker and he taught me. And then when he was gone, I'll just practice you know, as much as they can. Yeah. So the first year, my routine was literally get, get up at 12 o'clock at midnight, get ready for work, bake till like 6am and then help help with the morning rush, open a shop and everything like that. Take a nap at between nine to 12. Wake up just in time for lunch, help with the lunch hour, send my send my mum my my was helping out as much as she could, but she came, she became my dad's full-time carer. Um, but she came and helped as much as she could. And then i would send her off like at three o'clock because that's when the, the the rush would end. And then I'll just build a shop, close the shop by myself, bring all the chairs and tables in at five. I had a makeshift bed, bedroom upstairs in the bakery. Mm. Um, and so I'll just sit on my little mattress that was on the floor and eat my dinner, watch Netflix on my phone. And then eight o'clock, I'll be in bed, sleep for four hours. And that was wake up at 12 o'clock again. That was my routine for the
0: first year. Wow, that yeah. takes me back. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't have the extravagance of a bed; I just would sleep on the flour bags. But oh. um, there you go. Oh wow! <laughs> so what, what, kind, what kind of what kind of bread were you making uh, at the bakery? Okay, first of all, when I first started this, I didn't
1: know the difference between a whole meal or multi-grain bread. <laughs> there isn't much difference, really. <laughs> you do realize that. yeah? Yes. I realized that too. Um, but yeah, we made we made just like yeah, just like the loaves. We made all the rolls, like the knot rolls, plat rolls, mm-hmm. Vienna rolls. Um, we made pies as well. Ooh. Um, and yeah, we like we just made sandwiches and everything like that. So we were just literally a traditional bakery, like Asian mm, bakery. Mm-hmm. Um, we had Vegemite scrolls. That was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Coffee <laughs> scrolls. Uh, but yeah, very traditional, traditional bakery. Yeah, right. Yeah.
0: So what was that? That first year must have been extremely hard. But like what was the turning point? Like how did it evolve from that into what you've got now? Mm, I
1: think for the first year, I think because i we bought an existing business i was very focused on trying to keep things maintain the status quo like not change too much um so yeah i think once i tra- changed my train of thought to being like okay, what can i bring to this business and i think that was the turning point mm. and for us the turning point was when i realized okay i'm actually really good at like coming up with really crazy ideas and like doing marketing and doing social media um taking really cool photos. So the turning point was when we started making donuts and we started making like um fairy fairy floss cronuts. We made like yeah. oh, we made some really crazy ones. We made like oh what's good what's another one we made? We made like a whole bunch of like crazy donuts. Mm-hmm. And um during that time Instagram food culture was at its peak yeah so right time right place Mm -hmm. Um, and also just bringing my value to the business I think that was really the turning point for
0: us yeah so that would have been what 2016 2017 yeah 2015 2016 yeah right so then how much did social media and the fact that you know Instagram food was coming out at that point like how did you leverage that to make sure you were getting the best kind of environment because I imagine if you go from a traditional Asian bakery right into doing something that's very unique at that point in time, six or seven years ago. Like it was um, a big shift.
1: It was, yeah. And literally, I feel like it almost happened overnight in some ways. Mm. It's hard for that these days to happen because obviously Facebook, Instagram, all those platforms require money to like, to get, to get, be seen on there now. So Mm -hmm. back then it was a lot easier So, yeah, I remember one day we um, started making cronuts for the first time and cronuts wasn't really a big thing in Australia yet. Mm. And so I remember I uploaded a video or a photo on Facebook and then overnight, like, there there were people coming in at 5 a.m. when we were opening to get some cronuts. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, I think because, like, back then, I think the Australian, uh, Melbourne, especially dessert scene, has really peaked. Um, the lo- like the last few years, especially. Mm. So, just that was kind of like when it all started canopy holding. Yeah. Yeah.
0: How did it make you feel at that point? I mean, people were lining up at five o'clock in the morning to get a product that they hadn't really seen properly before. Like, that can be quite overwhelming for a, a young entrepreneur. Like, how did you make sure <laughs> yeah. you were handling that to mark? So, we were already making donuts when we started
1: that, um, but we were making like just jam donuts and like iced strawberry donuts. Yeah. And we used to make like six or 10 a day. That was kind of like how much we made. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when we started posting on Facebook, it kind of grew from like 10 to like 20 to like like to 50 to 100. And it just kept going up. And it was, I think for me, it wasn't overwhelming. It was, actually, it was actually really exciting because, you know, I had a whole year of where the business wasn't doing that great. And now I'm starting to see hope in like something that was working for mm-hmm. the first time. Mm-hmm. So from there, we just kept, yeah, just kept making more flavors. And then, I've got a story to tell you, actually. Okay. Um, so the donuts were taken off. And when I, back then, I used to run all my ideas past my mom because I was kind of clueless about what I was doing. And she was kind of the adult in this
0: in this business. <laughs> the adult in the room. Yeah, the adult in the room. So I used
1: to get a lot of ideas past her. Yeah. And so there was this um, donut festival coming up. And it was the first donut festival in Melbourne. And I was like, hey, we should really do this, mom. Like, we're already making donuts. People, we, you know, people are coming to buy donuts. Why not? Let's do this. Mm. But the thing was, I think Rent was like... St- 600 or 600 a day. And it went out for, for three days. Wow. And there was so many donut shops there. Like any, all the donut shops you can think about, it was, they were all there. Mm. And my mom was like, no way. Like you're not going to make the money back. There's too many co- competition there. So doing it like what every, any other Asian kid would do, I did it behind her back. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> she, went to, she went to visit her, her family in Cambodia. So me, my sister and my dad, my dad was in on the plan as well. <laughs> he came and helped just fry the donuts at night. Um, we went, we, we, we bought these trestle tables and made some banners up and we went, we, we ended up staying all night just baking and icing the donuts and we took it to the festival. I don't know why there was heaps of donut shops there, but for some reason our store just had hundreds of people lining up and yeah, it was to the point where we had to limit people to like one donut per person cause we just <sighs> couldn't keep up. Like we'll get a batch delivered, like a second and third and fourth batch delivered and they'll be gone like within 20 minutes. Oh my God. Yeah. So as you can imagine, like after the event, it was a very successful event for us. Mm-hmm. So I went back, when she came back, I told her about it. She was like, oh, okay. <laughs> was she angry at you? She wasn't angry. Cause obviously it was, it was successful, yeah, yeah, but yeah. she, she obviously didn't say anything. Like she said to say anything like good job or anything like that. It was very <laughs> Asian of her. Um, so that was kind of um, when we were like, okay, this could be actually something be really big. Uh, Our local shopping center, Eastland, had a kiosk available. Um, There was a baker in there previously, but they ended up closing down. So it was already built and everything like that. And they kept asking us to go in and bring our donuts there. But my mum, of course, was like, (laughs) no, we're not paying shopping center rent. rent. It's too crazy. So, Yeah, so I went back to them. I'm like, sorry guys, like my mom said no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love I, it. And I had credit to these guys because they were very persistent. They're like, yeah. okay, look, we're gonna drop the rent to ridiculously like a third of the price for you. And you it's no contract. Come in for a month. That's all we ask you. Come in for a month. Gosh. We'll pay for your shopping sign. You don't even have to do you don't even need to build like anything else. It's already set up for you to go. Just bring your donuts in for a month and see how you go. If wow. the first month isn't good, you can just leave. Mm-hmm. And then I brought it back to her. And after much convincing, she was like, okay, let's give it a try. <laughs> so the first night, <laughs> when our first opening night, we we, we had a um, little opening party at um, in the afternoon. And we had hundreds of people line up for it. My mom was there as well. And she was, uh, you could see on her face, she was shocked to see. Yes. I think for her, she was like, okay, wow, this could be something big.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And so you were there for that month and obviously that became a permanent site for you?
1: It is a permanent site there. So we're still there. Okay. Um, but yeah, the month ended up being, well, it's been three, four years now. So we're still there. Wow. So we ended up signing a permanent lease there and um, yeah, it's been doing great. Yeah. Wow. Are yeah. you
0: baking on site there or are you no, finishing we, off or anything like that? Or? No, we deliver the donuts there from our bakery. Okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. And so the original bakery, does that still exist? Right it's now? still there. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's where you produce everything? Um, we have two bakeries actually. So the Croydon bakery
1: is where we first started. So we haven't changed much of the business and the offering there. It's still the bakery there. We've got the donuts there, Um, but we've got a second bakery in Patterson lakes and that's just focused on the donut production. Mm -hmm. So we deliver all the donuts from there, from that store. And then the other, our other bakery is literally at capacity. We can't do anything else (laughs) at the moment. Um, But yeah, we've got our other bakery where we deliver the donuts at the moment, at the moment.
0: And with the Croydon site, is there a reason why you've continued to do like the normal bread range that you started off with and not just make that just a donut bakery?
1: Yeah, I think because I think donuts brought life into the bakery back and everyone started coming back because of the donuts. But at the end of the day, it's it's a bakery that's lo- loved by, our, by the community so much. So, you know, people, we have customers that come in every single morning at the exact same time, um, getting their loaf of bread and getting their treats if they have anything special on. So... For us, we just wanted to keep that. We didn't want to change, change that because, yeah, it was already loved by,
0: yeah, by the locals. Yeah, that's awesome. And in regards with like you said in the Donut Festival, like there were so many other donut providers there, especially at that point, that's when it was really starting to peak and get excitement. Can you understand, put a finger on the fact of why yours was so successful? I imagine the other ones were successful as well, but not to the level of you guys. Like what were you doing different? So go, just going back
1: to you know what what, what value I, c- I could bring to the business and that was um, the marketing side because I did journalism and marketing at, oh, at uni. Okay. So at that time, I was still doing my, my undergrad. Every week in my marketing or journalism class, I'll learn something and I'll be like, okay, I actually can apply this to my business. So it was literally go to uni and then practically applying that to the business. So I remember one of my journal, journalism classes we we're talking about press releases. So I was like, okay, I know how to draft up a release now like what can i do for my business and the idea i came up with was um creating the world's first gold croissant donut wow so uh, i've got another story about my mom actually <laughs> okay <laughs> so i told my mom like hey mom i'm gonna create a gold donut i'm gonna sell it for 20 20 bucks and she just looked at me she's like why do you even go to uni you're, <laughs> you're stupid <laughs> she's like who would pay 20 bucks for a donut <laughs> So I was like, mom, I'm not trying to sell. I'm just trying to get free press, you know, free press, free media. Yeah. Um, so I did it anyway, took a photo. Um, and then I just messaged a bunch of uh, media outlets and some food blogs and lifestyle blogs in the morning. And then literally by the afternoon, it had a bunch of people come and take photos. Um, all of like the, the junkie and Herald Sun came down to take photos. And then the next day it was like all over... All over the new like newspapers, blogs, and everything like that. And then that weekend was actually Mother's Day. And we sold two hundred of those gold donuts. Oh my at god! 20 at each. twenty bucks each. At twenty bucks each. So <laughs> happy I, Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day, <laughs> Mum. So, um, so yeah, so with the donut festival, we had that gold donut there as as one of the attractions for the for the for our stall, and we had our yeah funky other. Donut flavors like our fairy floss flavored donuts. So I think that was kind of the draw card for us and we kind of stood out from everyone else. Yeah. How did you come up with those new ideas? Uh literally just from the most random place. The gold, the gold donut, I came up with the idea. Um, I was at Chadston and there's a there was a macaron macaroon. Macaroons? Yeah, macaroon yeah. store there. Mm-hmm. And they had little gold flakes on the mac- macaroons. And then, yeah, I was like, what is that? And they're like, oh, it's edible gold. I'm like, oh. <laughs> and then I went home and just did some Googling. And then um, I was like, okay, we could, I could do something with this. Yeah. Uh, and then the fairy floss literally came from an idea from having brunch. I was having pancakes or something like that. And they put fairy floss on it. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, this is pretty cool. Let's, <laughs> let's do something with that. And, yeah, that's literally like how I get the ideas.
0: Yeah, wow. And how do you think you keep consistency in regards with your customers as well? Because there are – so many donut brands and as you said, like we've got now a really mature market in regards to dessert, especially in a place like Melbourne. How do you make sure that you're coming up with new ideas all the time so that your customers are refreshed and they want to buy from you?
1: Well, we take re- like feedback and reviews really seriously. Our current online store has like, like 7,000, 8,000 reviews. So we read every single review God. and we reply to the like to the ones that are, really critical to us and so we try to get further information on how to improve so yeah we've always been very customer focused yeah just getting feedback is is extremely important on getting new ideas and i'm, I'm sure i'm going to touch on it later but like the whole gift shop mm-hmm. our whole gift shop side of the business came from a the cust- customers asking us to make gift boxes
0: yeah right yeah i do want to talk about that in a second before i do like this bit about your mum and dad is like like mm-hmm. inspirational for me right like What advice would you give someone going into a family business? Like a lot of the people who listen, Philip, like are in family businesses now, like there's advantages to them, there's challenges to them, but what advice would you give them now you've lived and breathed it for six or seven years? Yeah, family businesses are really, really tricky. I did a
1: lot of of uni, business uni, like in my undergrad, and they always say never do business with your family. But realistically speaking, it's really hard. Most people start businesses with their family. But I think – um we we'll, we've we've had some rocky times obviously but i think at the end of the day we all have the same goal which is to build a better life for our family mm. so that's always been very central to anything that we did so if if any, if anyone if anyone does blow up we kind of just take it back and be like hey okay, maybe they're just really stressed out or overwhelmed and we just try to remove like Im- that emotion out of how we're feeling just so we can understand the other person better. Mm. But yeah, like I've had times where I've blown up as well. Like I just got so overworked to the point where I'm just like, I'm just going to leave. I can't do this anymore. Like I'm just going to take a day off and just, and I had times where I just walked out of the bedroom, like I'm just going to go home. Yeah. And so, yeah, like my sister uh, and my mom and my dad, they always, always really understand. It was like, okay, he's just overworked. Let's just, yeah, not get upset about that. Because like it could be really easy to just blow that situation out and make it something even bigger. So mm. I think, yeah, just trying to really understand and be empathetic is is key to starting family businesses.
0: Yeah. Have you relied on, if I can ask you, have you relied on other people outside of like your family in order to give support during those times as well? Because I imagine if you've got the four of you there, like it's a it can become, you know, pretty challenging, right? So is there other people outside the business you've gone to?
1: Yeah. um, Funny enough, I've got a really good relationship with my accountant and (laughs) bookkeeper. That's (laughs) important. Yeah, really important Mm. because like I know they can be – very intimidating because they're the ones sending you the tax bill.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly, yes. So yeah, they're, they're a really good friend until they're sending you their bill. Yeah, yeah. they're a really good friend <laughs> until
1: um, they send that. Uh, <laughs> but I think I've been able to yeah, get support from them in where like if I'm feeling stressed about financial, like where the business is going, I would just confine and just be really honest about how I'm feeling about it. And then they'll just tell me, okay, well, look, they'll, they'll either reassure me like you're doing fine Or they'd be like, okay, actually you could probably look at this and maybe see if you can improve in in this aspect of the business. Yeah. So yeah, there's definitely yeah, people that outside the business I can yeah, confine in. Okay. Yeah.
0: That's good. (laughs) Let's talk about the gift boxes. Like you're now scaling nationally, right? How did that come about? Why did you decide to do that? That's a massive leap from having some really great trading retail shops to all of a sudden doing national deliveries.
1: Yeah. Um so the whole gift shop side of the business came in 2017 or 18. Okay. Um, And so we were just, we actually were about to, at the time at um, our Eastland shop, the one I mentioned earlier, we were initially weren't going to sign a lease. We were going to finish up there and just go back to the bakery. Okay. So that would have meant that I would have to start at five o'clock in the morning at the bakery (laughs) again. So I was like, I need to find my way out of this. (laughs) I love it. So I was like, okay, I'm going to, find something else to do so i was like okay let's start this online thing because what i realized was that earlier we were talking about just before recording we we're talking about how baking is so comforting and yeah. nostalgic mm-hmm. and i think what i realized um, early on was that a lot of people were coming to us to buy you know cakes or donuts or whatever to give to someone mm. so yeah for it so for me it's nostalgic and um, comforting because i know that what i'm making is giving joy to someone else and we always got people asking, "You're telling us that they were buying the box of donuts for their friend or their coworker, or whatever." So, yeah, it just made sense to to f- just to move to gifting and just do start offering delivery as well. So we're recording at Worksmith right now, mm-hmm. and this is actually where I got started with the online <laughs> online store. It's exciting. Yeah, I, I was here for about a year, and um, I sat at the computer for a year straight, just building the infrastructure up, the website the delivery options and the delivery service. I used to have to drive from like the suburbs because back then none of the couriers would go down to Croydon to pick up the boxes because it was too far out. (laughs) So I had to come to Worksmith here in Collingwood to have a central pickup point uh, for the couriers. So even if it was just one box, I would have to drive up here. Wow. Um, And we used to average about like maybe two or three, maybe five I was lucky. But I was just very persistent because I just had a gut feeling that online was the way to go because it was the easiest and quickest way to reach customers in the fastest way possible without having to open bakeries everywhere. Yeah. So that was kind of my intention with this online business. Um, so we ran it for about a year in 2018, 2019. It was good. Like it didn't do, like it didn't take up, it didn't make up most of that business. It wasn't a priority. Okay. Um, It was in the background just sitting there um, and then COVID happened. Yeah. So literally when lockdown was announced by Dan Andrews, hundreds of people were flocking to the website ordering. And we went from like having a couple orders a day to like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. Of, like, literally hundreds. Literally like overnight. Wow. Um, but I, I think because we had that infrastructure already set up, it was such a smooth transition for us. I know that a lot of other businesses were rushing to create their online presence, but mm. luckily for us, that was already there. Mm. So um, you can say... We're in the right place, right time. Yeah. But also I guess like thinking back now, it was a lot of prep work in hindsight. Yeah.
0: yeah. Like that must've taken you ages. Did we, did you build that online store from scratch yourself? Um,
1: the first iteration I did, wow. I just kind of just did it on WordPress, like as a template. Okay. Um, and then, one of our customers emailed us saying, hey, I work in UX and your website's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. Thank wow. you for the feedback. And I, I just thought about, I'm like, "Hey, why don't you just build it for me then? So I paid yeah. her to build the website and she built our, the last one we did before we revamped the website. So we used that for, for the next couple of years and we just revamped recently. But yeah, she helped us did the redesign initially when, when, during COVID actually, wow. just before COVID, yeah. Yeah.
0: And like you said before, about, you know, seven to 8,000 sort of feedback that you guys get. Mm. Like, how are you getting that? Because I think that's really, really powerful. Like, you obviously got some sort of marketing loop that you're using when someone orders yeah. in order to get like marketing feedback.
1: Yeah. We have, yeah, marketing automation and we just request, yeah, feedback from customers after the order's been delivered. Sure. Um, but yeah, it's been really critical to growing the business.
0: Yeah, right. And how are things now that, you know, now lockdowns are sort of over across the country? Like... How have you been able to sustain growth and and make sure you keep on going on? Because I know a lot of businesses that were doing, you know, a lot of different verticals during COVID, like have pulled them back completely or obviously they've gone down and matured a bit. Like where are you at at the moment?
1: Yeah, so lockdown ended in, I think, October, right? Yeah, October. Yeah, Yeah, so coming out of lockdown, I was actually really anxious because we had lockdown accelerating the growth of the gifting business, and so, yeah, I was really worried. I'm like, okay, maybe we're not going to have that kind of growth outside of lockdown. But during the course of lockdown, we really focused on, yeah, continuing to build that infrastructure and improving it. And so coming out of lockdown, we actually, although a lot of e commerces business had really slowed down growth or didn't grow at all, we ended up growing like double year on year. Yeah. So, wow. um, yeah, I think that was all due to just all that planning ahead of time. Um, once again yeah <laughs> yeah um, we actually purchased the warehouse recently as well let's, so let's talk about that oh, let's okay <laughs> how did
0: that come about where did you make that decision like did your mother say no and then you knew it was the right thing to do
1: look she's always a no a no <laughs> person and I had to convince her <laughs> but it was just came to a point where we were literally outgrown the bakery like there was just like it was really hard to organize our workspace yeah, yeah right so we had to do something like yeah, there's some days, like, for example, Mother's Day or Father's Day, like, we literally have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of orders and we'd have to close a shop front and just do, like, a little takeaway window because we just had boxes everywhere. Wow. So we're like, okay, we really need a bigger <laughs> space. So, um, so yeah, so I was like, it just makes sense to to get a warehouse because, you know, we're going to have all that extra space. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, you know, I've, I've d- dealt with a few landlords in my lifetime and I hate playing with landlords <laughs> You know, like, yeah. yeah, I'm sure you can understand. Yeah, it's very tricky. So, like, you know, if you have the opportunity to be your own landlord, why not? Yeah, uh, right. And also, yeah, like, coming back, you know, my goal was to build financial wealth for my family. And so it's just made sense to invest in something for yourself. Yeah.
0: Why is it important for you?
1: Because, yeah, growing up, we never had money. So um, for us, money, we need, we, we want that security. So um, my, my goal was always to create that security for my parents and to make sure that they can, you know, Live life and not have to stress about money all the time. Because growing up, money was always a focal point in our family. Because yeah, we had to find money somewhere.
0: Yeah. yeah no. Can I ask how you deal with that pressure? That must be re- that must be really hard to put on yourself, Philip. As in, like you want to create. It's so noble. Like you thank want to create you. this wealth for your family, like that's an amazing, oh, thank that's you. an amazing thing you want to do. Yeah. Like, but that, that's that
1: could be quite overwhelming, right? Like it is, especially when you're 21, 22, and you know you have your whole family life saving on your shoulders. Yeah, it is very scary. Um, and I was actually having this conversation with someone else. Um, I was doing an interview with an Asian, um, Australian, Asian Australian podcast, and I just it made me realize I'm like, you know, growing up because my parents were refugees, um, they, they never had like an education. They never had the financial education to teach me. And so doing this business actually taught me a lot about financial, um, yeah, education. And so so, so that's why it's, for me it's really important to think about far out, further out into the future and just, yeah, try to and build all that foundation. So if anything does happen to the business, we've got a backup plan.
0: Yes, yeah. it's always a backup plan. I love it. I guess my final question to you is then, like what are you, what are you looking forward to like the rest of this year? Obviously the Marappan um, yeah. site, but how much do you want to grow this business now that you've got some maturity in it? Like you're over seven years of age now, which is a really good sort of bell curve of maturity for a business. So what are you going to do now? Uh, it's hard, isn't it? Cause right now, like the whole
1: like ec- ec- economy at the moment is very like rocky at the moment. So, yeah, exactly. So like retail, I've had like multiple discussions about whether or not we want to expand in retail, but, like the whole retail game is just so tricky right now. Like rents through the roof, mm. um, construction's crazy at the moment, like even to get a fit out, whatever's going to be super expensive. So for me, um, it's always about what's the lowest hanging fruit. So sure. um, for us, it's the online store at the moment. Like we're still going to be focused on growing our like hospital, like retail, retail business. But at the moment we're really seeing a lot of strong growth in online. And I like to, yeah, I just like to, yeah, we're still doing what we're doing essentially, which is baking and making goods. Um, so yeah, now just being able to get that out to more people is is awesome. But yeah, building this warehouse at the moment in Moorabbin and then we're looking to expand locally in like um, in Sydney and in Queensland, so that we can offer like yeah same day delivery there.
0: Wow, yeah. So what do you, how do you think you're gonna do that? Like, do you are you planning to do another bakery in those particular spots, and then basically do a satellite bakery and then retail sites? I think it's all gonna be very gradual.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. one thing I've learned about this. Um, warehouse fit out is that commercial kitchens are damn expensive to, yes, they to are. build <laughs> so it's either going to be yeah, if there's already a pre-existing um, commercial kitchen we can rent out then obviously there'll be a very smooth transition mm. but yeah we've got another side of the uh, our business where we're building up a hamper business where it's not focused on baked goods so that kind of gives us a bit of uh, leeway to grow as well like if yep. we had to go to Sydney or whatever we can just always start with that first and just grow that you know, that customer base up first and then Look at, then look at further investment in yeah,
0: in a commercial kitchen if needed. Yeah, cool. Yeah, Actually, I'm going to ask you one final question. I'm super curious because obviously your socials are a berserk, right? Like how do you make sure that your social media is on point and, and really gaining traction? What are you guys doing there so important?
1: Oh, yeah, social media is, is a fun one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so first of all, I, th- I find social media really fun because um, I think I'm naturally a creative person. And doing business is not very creative all the time. Mm. So for me, social media has been my creative outlet at, at, at like most of the time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we've been, you know, we've, we when I started the business, we started posting a lot on Facebook and we were like a Facebook bakery. Mm-hmm. And then Instagram t- started taking off. We became an Instagram bakery. <laughs> um, and then obviously we got TikTok recently. TikTok, we became a TikTok, t- TikTok business. <laughs> so yeah, I think... Social media has been really important because it's, you know, with being a small business, you don't have millions of dollars to spend on marketing. Yeah. So yeah. if you can really capture and utilize that organic reach, yeah it's it's free advertising.
0: yeah Have you got other people creating with you as well?
1: It's been me most of the time. Awesome. Um, more recently, we have grown our marketing team. So we've got a content creator. Um, who helps me with all the editing. Great. Um, and then we've got a yeah, marketing coordinator who helps me with all the marketing stuff that we do. But yeah, I think... Social media has been incredible for us, especially last last year when we were expanding our delivery service nationally. Like we built a name for ourselves in Melbourne, but not really anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And so last year we started posting a lot on TikTok and for the first time we were sharing like my family story and sharing the business story. Awesome. And that happened to resonate with like millions of people and it really helped us build a name for ourselves outside of Melbourne and we've been able to grow our yeah, our business nationally.
0: It's great to hear, man. Yeah. I, think, I can't wait to see what you're going to do next. Um, uh, I think it's so, so exciting. And not just because, you know, you're a baker. Um, <laughs> you're doing great things and, and and for the right reasons. So it's really great to meet you, man.
1: Oh, thank you, Sean.
0: What's the best way that people can find out more about Godly Lux and, and order some amazing hampers, donuts,
1: yeah. et cetera? Well, I think the easiest way is to find us on Instagram or TikTok. Like we post like
0: almost every day there. So
1: awesome. you are guaranteed to learn something about us there.
0: Fantastic. That's always going to be linked up in the show notes of this podcast. Philip Cooch, thanks so much for your time. Thanks, Sean. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Principle of Hospitality. I hope you really enjoyed that one. I think you can probably tell that whenever we talk about bread or bakeries or donuts, I get just a tiny bit more excited. So I hope you enjoyed that podcast. Please comment like and share this podcast with your friends in the industry as always we're making this content with the industry in mind so we really appreciate you sharing along and if you don't know I suppose sash my co-founder has one of the best design agencies in australia it's called principal design so if you're looking for anything around strategy branding digital design wayfinding graphic design you can find them at principledesign.com.au and of course, I've got a consulting business called Open Pantry Consulting. So anything to do around systems and processes to make your business run even more smoothly. And we're also doing a lot of stuff with people development as well at the moment. Thanks as well for tuning in. Until next time, stay safe, everyone. I reckon waiting for the bill in a restaurant at the end of the meal is such a pain. I know, but have you seen Mr. Yum split in pay? I used it the other day at a restaurant I just scanned the bill and straight away was able to easily split it with friends, pay and leave. It was super fast and super easy. Really sounds amazing. That's right. Mr. Yum Split and Pay makes it so simple for diners to pay their bill, to split it between a group and even pay for individual items. Restaurants love it as they get to know their customers better than ever, making it simple to send targeted offers and get their guests coming back again and again. It really is a game changer for venues that love full service but want to streamline payments. Mr. Yum's split and pay is the better way to pay. And it's free until July 2023. Visit MrYum.com.